Welcome to our Rock City Church podcast. We are so excited to have you join us. Our desire is that you would listen with expectancy for what God wants to do in your life. We pray that you would encounter the mighty love of the Father and that you would be fired up for the more that He has for you. Okay, I have a lot of notes. And last service, I bawled my eyes out where I couldn't even read my words. It was a record crying session um, and had everybody else bawling. Not surprising to people that have been here for a while, but um, I would just like to say again for the record, in normal life, I'm not very emotional. I am very emotional when it comes to saying out loud what is happening and just the weight of it and the Holy Spirit comes and he uses my emotion to touch your heart. And that's just what he chooses to do to me, which I would prefer him not. I don't like crying, but so we'll see if I can get through it a little smoother this time. And David told me to make sure to acknowledge the side wings, acknowledging you. There, I'm fully, fully with you guys, even if I look this way, because that would be the natural thing to do, to talk normal, and I like natural things. Okay, so (laughs) the last service, just the buildup of doing this, I knew it was coming, I, I said I would do it, I knew I needed to do it, but like the weight of it has just made me nervous, not nervous to speak, but nervous on the topic, just because one, it's a vulnerable thing, it's, a, it's my story, that's never really that fun, um, and then also I just feel like, honestly, I felt like the Lord told me like this marks like a special day for history of Rock City Church. Like this marks the beginning of a movement for Rock City to step into being the hands and feet of Jesus in a level we've never experienced before to the vulnerable children in our city. And I don't know if you guys know, um, it's gotten worse, especially with COVID. I mean, we have, I didn't get to say it in the last one because there's so many emotions, but um, we have kids in hotel rooms right now. We we don't have enough foster parents, and everybody's inconvenienced by the idea. So I'm just going to let you know it is really inconveniencing, and it's really hard. It's brutally hard, and I'm going to share that with you, but I also want to share with you what I've, and I know I'm not technically a foster parent, and I will explain, but for all intents and purposes, you'll understand why. I just tell people that, because otherwise it'd be like, well, what happened was... And then it would go into like a long, confusing dialogue. And so I'm just like, we're foster parents. Um, but anyway, this is marks a movement for us. So while I'm speaking, I really want you guys to take it seriously to just ask the Lord right now while I'm speaking, just like what, what seeds from what she's saying, what, what can be imparted today? Like what's my part? What does this look like for me? Because I know a lot of you are instantly like, oh, checking out. This does not apply to me. I have a lot of children. Because a lot of you keep having children, like a lot of children. <laughs> like, which is great. We have a lot of children in this church. And I understand that you are like, no, we are tapped out. But, um, or you have a different situation. Or maybe you're not in a healthy spot and you're trying to get healthy spiritually and physically. And that's also understandable. But please don't just write this off as, I have no part to play. 
because we all have something we can do. There's like simple things that we can do. Um, so maybe today you walk out with that confirmation that I am going to be a respite care provider or I'm going to be a foster parent and I'm going to start the process. Or maybe it just looks like I'm going to walk the next best step towards the cause the Lord put on my heart of what breaks your heart. So either way, I just want to call us to action today. That's really my goal here. And what ended up happening yes, or at the last services, everybody came to tell me and support me and console me afterwards. But I'm telling you, I'm okay. I, was, <laughs> I gave you my story. I'm going to give it to you again. But I have hope. Like, I haven't lost hope. Even though it's a hard story, I have hope. Um, so... Uh, we've always wanted, I've always wanted to adopt a child so much so that I was totally always fine with not having kids. Like I, like it obviously was not a struggle because it just kind of happened. But, um, before I even got married, before we even thought about having kids, I always, always, always had a burning desire to adopt. Um, so that was placed in me and I do believe the Lord places the desire in your heart. So you, you will need that place in your heart. You can't force these things to happen, but he can also grow that desire. Because I, I personally know people that had no desire at all, and then through circumstances and the Lord refining them, they finally decided, we'll take the next step. And then the Lord broke their heart for what breaks theirs, and they just are like advocates for adoption, and they adopted three kids. I bet some of you know who they are, but... So you have to have that desire, and I had that desire. But life just didn't, it, you know, life never goes as you plan. So I, um, we got married, had two babies, like, just like that. <laughs> and um, then we had our third. You guys know that. We lost her at 32 weeks. And so it was a stillbirth, and it was the hardest thing that I've ever encountered in my entire life to this day. Um, and then... I really wanted and still do believe that he had beauty for ashes and that he was going to restore what was stolen. And I do believe that death is a stealing from the enemy, premature death. Um, so we were robbed from and stolen. And I've been believing for five years that he would fix what <laughs> was stolen for, re repay what the enemy take, took. And in so many ways he did, but I wanted to see it in a tangible way if that makes any sense. Um, so we all have to be praying, Lord, like right now, Lord, break our heart for what breaks yours. That's the beginning of every good cause you could go for. It's not about just checking it off and looking good and doing your Christian duty. It is what breaks your heart. What is your burden? And wherever you find your burden, that is your first place to start. That's your first step. So when you pray that prayer, break my heart, prepare yourself, because then he does. And then it's hard, and you feel like, what can I even do? But then you pray, and whatever's burdening, the biggest burden, you think that's where the Lord's leading you, and you just take the next best step, and he'll, he'll do the rest. So here is our story. It felt very fitting. Um, and it's complicated, so I'm going to try to sum it up. Okay, so we always, I always had a heart for adoption. And in the recent last years, the Lord gave me a picture of what, um, specifically what child, type of child, down to the race, the age, the hair, 
like specifics. And I know that's not the case for everybody in that you're not supposed to be picky and you're not supposed to be like, I only want this, this, and this. But it was just like a deep down desire of like, just a picture. I don't know if anybody, the Lord's ever given you just like a quick picture of like, this is what it'll look, this is what that promise will look like to you. Um, and so it was just a desire in my heart. And I, I told some of my friends like, this is what I'm believing for. And... Um, so we started the process. The next best step seemed to be to just start the process to foster to adopt with a different agency. At that time, um, the harbor hadn't been established. And so we went with a different one that is now closed. And I, I remember when we started, David had major hesitations because he, um, like I was very passionate that we needed to do this. We need to act now because I have a passion to do this. And he just trusted. He's like, I trust you. I trust you've heard from the Lord. And so, which is really amazing and supportive as of a husband, because there's been many times where he's had to hear the Lord for me or vice versa, and you, you need that in your marriage. Um, and so he was willing just to take the steps. So we signed up, and man, is it a process. We did all the classes, the CPR, the training, and then we were about to get um, our home study, and then COVID hit like crazy time. And um, then the holidays was right, yeah, like Thanksgiving, Christmas. And it was like, let's just take a pause. More so him, I was ready to push because I'm a doer. And um, like a producer, like get it done, just push, you know, it's not always a good thing. So David was like, no, it's never a good thing. Um, so David was like, let's just, I just feel a pause. I'm like, oh, the pause. Um, and then... I just was like, forget it, you know, because I knew and I told my best friend, like, I don't want to do this forcing. Like, why would I make, make us, like, push for this if it's not what he's wanting to do or feels peace about? That, nothing about that feels right. So I just stepped back, and I never brought it up because I was like, Lord, if you want this to happen, I did my part, and I don't know what else to do. So then I, I did have disappointment. I'm, I'm never up here saying I've arrived. I hope you know that. Um, I w had a lot of disappointment, and I wrestled with it. And I'm sure it came out passive-aggressively numerous times. But um, yes, that happened. And then I remember I was about to speak on Sunday um, in February, and I was going to speak on trading your disappointment. And specifically, I had disappointments with losing a child and various other things that I, it's too much to tell y'all, but just things that hadn't happened that the Lord had promised, and adoption was one of those. And I felt like the Lord just said, lay down your disappointment, give it to me, name it, get, get over it, and just trust me. So I shared that with you guys. That same Sunday, I was presented with an opportunity to possibly adopt a little girl. Um, so the timing was really amazing. And it felt like the Lord saying, I'm glad you gave that up because here I have something for you. Um, and I would love to tell you. And then we went and we fell in love and signed the papers. And then that was it. No, no, nothing, nothing even close to that. Um, so then proceeded four months of having her. And I will also say another neat thing is she was exactly, is exactly to the T, the vision I had. Age, hair, race, everything. So of course, all the emotions. I'm instantly like, this is the promise. And then 
you know, the promise is there, and then there's a whole long journey. And so four months of having her, kids growing attached, us growing attached, promises made, and lots of mess, CPS, um, uh, just everything that comes with dysfunction. Um, and a lot of story I can't tell you guys, but you can assume. And, um, and then after four months, just like that, she was gone, and we didn't see her again. And um, it was hard. And so for four months, it was just holding on to that promise wondering what in the world, what was this for? Like, why did you bring me my heart's desire after everything I've been through just to brutally rip it away? Like, it just was such a fight for holding on to the God's goodness. I'll just be really honest with you. Um, I know there's a song, and it's not a popular song. It randomly came to me through a friend who accidentally sent me another song, and it accidentally played this song, and um, which is So the Lord. And it was just talking about, Lord, help me with my unbelief. And then it said, um, deep down, all I know is that Jesus loves me and that he's so good. And I had to play that song over and over. And so maybe it's not this situation for you, but maybe it's another situation that you're like, what in the world just happened to my life? Like, you promised me this and the extreme opposite is happening. Does anybody relate to that? Like, I'm actually seeing the extreme opposite of everything you ever promised me. Nothing good is happening right now. And so there's this, there's even a scripture, and it's not a sin, guys. Like, just be honest with the Lord. I had to just say, help me with my unbelief. Please help me, because I, I don't, I know what I'm supposed to believe, and I know what deep down I believe in my soul and my heart, but I, I'm struggling with my unbelief, and um, he meets you there. He always meets you there, and he just wants you to be, man, he's the closest when you're the weakest. You guys know that. So, gosh, I got to get through this. Um, for, so yeah, the four months go by, CPS is calling us often. I just need to, I need Jesus to help me with CPS, but, um, okay. Um, just being honest, they do some good things. Um, but they were really confused about whereabouts and I don't understand that, but, um, and so it was just brutal finding out like through the town because it's a very small town, um, finding out like whereabouts and happenings and feeling like completely like I could not do a single thing and I couldn't do a single thing. All I could do is sit and hope and trust and wait. Um, and look at my two beautiful kids and my family and everything I have and just thank God. That's it. So I made, I wrote this, I put it on social media to mark how I felt at that time. I'm going to try to get this. This is what wrecked me the last time. It still wrecks me. So I'm going to try to read it. <sighs> I wrote this whenever all hope was seemed lost. Like there wasn't an ounce of, of movement. We weren't promised anything. It was just as if that was it. And there was no way we could ever see her unless a grand miracle happened. So I said, 
I made a bed for her. I made a place inside my heart. I allowed my children to love her and grow close to her. I saw such injustice taking place in her life, and I knew I had to do my part to bring stability, love, and justice. I longed to rescue her. I prayed for her. And I longed to be part of ending the cycle of dysfunction in her life. I lost a daughter once, and I felt as if this was part of God's redemptive plan for our family and for my heart. As of today, I have yet to see justice. Instead, I've seen the unfortunate truth that the current system meant to keep children safe and properly cared for is very, very broken. Broken and overwhelmed by the extreme dysfunction, making anything less than an extreme case no longer critical for intervention. And now, all that remains is memories of dance parties, bubble baths, and giggles. <sighs> memories of all the songs. <sighs> all the songs singing in their prayers prayed over her at bedtime as I tried my best to bring peace to her troubled heart. I promise I'll get it together. Okay, where was I? So, my heart remains, my, her heart remains troubled, and our hearts remain broken. It's not over yet, but in the natural, it definitely seems so. And I do not share this vulnerable story to make you feel bad for me or us. We are people of faith, and we are extremely blessed. We will come out stronger. I share this to remind us all that no matter what, it's worth it. The time she spent with us was worth all of the heartache. I remind myself and my children often, God's not finished yet. What we long for is a good thing, but our God has our greatest good in the works. He loves her more than we could ever love her. I admit I've been mad, mad at the just injustice that remains, the injustice that I was shown but can't do anything about. Yet the truth remains, our God is sovereign, he is in control, and he is good. Those truths don't change because of how I feel or how I'm not seeing the right outcome. I don't know yet what will come next, but I do know we can't give up and we can't bow down because it's hard. We can't stop fighting for justice. He's a God of justice and I'm standing on that truth, believing in his timing it will come. That was what I said during the waiting. That was my prayer. Soon after, I was asked to testify, or we were asked to testify at a temporary divorce court hearing. It's absurd. It's out there. 
And um, at first we're like, why? Why would we need to do that? Like, we're just done with the whole emotional roller coaster. This is not going to benefit anything. I mean, this is not, there's no possible outcome, really. Um, we, will, we were told by everybody, the attorneys, anyone that knows law, they said, just so you know, there's no possible way that you will get custody. There's no possible way. Those were the exact words. A few times I have in my head replayed often. No possible way because you're an outsider in a divorce court hearing and it's a temporary divorce court hearing. That just doesn't happen. That was the words. And so uh, I remember driving down Flower Bluff Drive, which I do all the time, and I remember just telling the Lord, like, okay, okay, another okay, okay, you have my yes. I have no idea why. Once again, I have no idea what you're doing. I am just going to do it. We're just going to keep showing up. We're just going to speak up for the voiceless. The Bible tells us to do that. She doesn't have a voice. We're just going to do our part. This, we're not going to stop doing our part. Like the Lord called us to do it in the story. I don't need to know what the outcome is for me or what benefit it is. Just do it. Just surrender the outcome. And that's what I'll say over and over again about my life and about what I've learned the most out of this whole thing is surrender the outcome. In any area of your life, it's, he says to do it, period. You feel called to do that? Do it. Stop worrying about, well, if I do it, then this could be hard. I mean, most people don't foster care because, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of ifs that could happen, and they might, and they probably will. I only know of a few people that have foster care and had a smooth transition, and it felt like kids fell in their lap, and they were one in a million. So, um, but that's beside the point. The Lord calls you to something, end of story. Just do it. So we show up and we, it got rescheduled a million times. Oh my gosh, the, the struggle of this whole ordeal, the court system with COVID and it's on Zoom. I mean, I can't even explain to you how much of a roller coaster of emotion. And so we show up numerous times. Finally, we testify and um, we wait and then we, we come back to the final hearing and they let us know because um, I wasn't on the screen. They were like, is your wife there? And I'm like, of course, I wasn't supposed to be there, but I was right next to him. So I'm like, yes, I'm here. Um, and then so I was there and then they awarded us temporary custody. So it is a miracle. It is unheard of. And anybody that I tell it to, they're like, wait, what? that happen? Is that possible? Well, apparently so. Apparently it is possible. Um, anything's possible with God. So all we did was show up and do our part. We didn't misconstrue anything. We didn't elaborate. We just stated the truth. This is what happened. This is what we saw. So, you know, as long as your motives are right and you're just doing what the Lord calls you to, he honors that. And he's always going to bless the righteous. He's always going to honor your willingness and your faith and your obedience. <sighs> so there's this grand miracle that happened the first day of October. And I remember, I'll always remember how exciting it was because um, it went from not seeing her for four months to 
you need to go pick her up. And we're like, wait, what? What? And we're like all like crazy. And I, I remember David telling the kids, and then the dogs are our dogs, obnoxious large dogs, are like barking because they're excited. And I couldn't record it because the dogs were barking. I'm like, oh my gosh. It was complete madness, but everybody was excited. The kids were crying. And then we're like, wait, but where is she? And then we got to go pick her up. And just like the shock of like, in an instant, a miracle happened. What took all that time? And then like that, pick her up. Just like that, she was back in that bed. Yet we remain in waiting. And so there's this constant, like it's a temporary order. So there's not a permanency to it in the natural so then you constantly are still in this like trust journey with the Lord. Like, I know you're doing something here. I know you're writing the coolest story, but it's really exhausting. I would really like it to have a good, nice stop point here. Like, a, this would be a good place to stop. This is like, let's just celebrate and camp here. But no, let's just keep going. And oh, this might happen. And oh, this person thinks this. And they're saying they're going to do that. Like, it's something new every week. There's a drama. And so it's a constant like, nope, I know, Lord, that, that she's part of our family. Like, I know that you promised this. So I don't know what's happening on the sides and what keeps coming at us and all the possibilities, but I just have to keep steadfast. He's faithful. End of story. And it's surrendering the outcome. It's, yes, I have faith he'll do it, but I also have faith that even if he doesn't, he is still good. And he still has the grand picture. Like, his thoughts are way higher than my thoughts. I have no idea what his thoughts are half the time. I mean, I'm like, what in the world? Like, what story is this? Like, it's been the whole journey. It's been me thinking, I tell David often, what happened to my life? (laughs) What? I don't even know. I've never been to a court I have never, she's laughing, I've never done the drugs, done the drugs, or whatever he calls them. Every day, it's a new day, he calls drugs a different name. (sighs) Anyway, I've never been in that realm, like my, it's been pretty consistent, just follow the rules, do the right thing, and that's, that's, that's gonna be good. And now I'm like, we need to do what? And who, what? And she did, I, no, I'm like, what is happening to my life? Like, is this really happening? I tell David that all the time. He's like, yes, yes, it's really happening. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And so then when people are like, oh, it's, who is this? I'm like, we're, we're fostering. Just dump this. It's fine. I'm not going to. It's too much to tell you. <clears throat> so anyway, let's see. I went into all kinds of rambling. Oh, I did want to say for sure that if you were still believing that that little phrase that says that God won't give you more than you can handle, do you still, anybody? Just, I don't want to make sure, so we want to get that addressed. So um, he's always going to give you more than you can ever handle. So I don't know who made that up, but it would be nice. It'd be really nice. So I can't handle any of these things that keep happening. I'm always like, now what? And then I don't know law. I don't know all these things. I don't do trouble. I don't make bad the bad choices. So I'm like, Marlene, now what happens if... (laughs) 
And she's like, well, the prosecutor and blah, I'm like, whoa, 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 what's, what's, uh, I don't, she's a good source if you have a legal matter. Um, <laughs> she's going to get lots of calls now. <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, I can't handle any of the stuff that's happening because I don't understand it. I'm still really confused by it. It's really hard. Um, And I I do also want to share, like, oh, my gosh, it's not like all leaping through the field of flowers right now in my life. I know you guys might think I'm a super mom because I homeschool and have all the animals and do all the things. Man, it is hard. It is so hard. And I... I honestly feel alone half the time because, and I know that um, people in the foster care system, they struggle with feeling alone. It's hard because everybody's got their things. Like, everybody's busy, and, you know, and it's not an offense thing, please. I've gotten over the whole taking offense thing in my life. It's not like, oh, they're not checking in on me. It's more like, hey, I'm aware that there's a, there's a, a gap there. Like, there's something we all need to be more aware of. Like, I'm being made aware of it myself so I can let you guys know. Check in on your foster care people. Like, just say, hey, how are you? Like, what's going on in the case? If you want to say, like, don't be that person. Like, and what? <laughs> like, all the details. But just like, hey, what's the latest? Or how can I pray for you specifically? Or can I bring a meal? And, and no, I don't want you to bring me meals. Please don't bring me meals. Um, um, but for them... Um, or if that's what they want, just check it <laughs> on what would help them the most. But frequent visitors would not help me the most right now because that is my life already. <clears throat> so just check on them. And I will say it's hard because you know the system's broken. You know that anyone coming out of dysfunction, any child coming out of that is going to come with a whole slew of things that you get the honor <laughs> to walk them out and love them through. And so it's draining. It's very hands-on. Um, I, I, my kids are seven and eight, and yes, I will say that I felt like my kids are a breeze. Like, they're very well-behaved. Like, I don't have big emotional issues. I don't, like, they've been loved so well. They've been raised well. They know the Lord, and they've been raised with this amazing family. So... I will admit it was it was a little smooth there for a while, and now it's not smooth. Smooth is not the word for my life. Um, so she's sweet, but I'm just letting you guys know that anybody that brings in kids, there's a whole thing about the dynamic of your family, and then there's supervised visits, and there's your schedule and emotions and behavior that you have to try to understand and work through with them. And it is very hands-on that by the end of the day, I'm like emotionally and physically drained because I want to do well, and I want to love her well. And there's the constant thoughts of like, what could happen and the outside things happening that you have in your mind that you have to lay down constantly and try to be presently parenting. So it's just the whole thing. So I just say that to say he will give you more than you can handle. The reason he gives you more than you can handle is because he wants you to finally realize you're not supposed to be handling it. You are not the one handling it. It's a control thing, and it's my whole life I've fought this. Like, this whole life, I, I want a formula. Anybody else? It would be very nice if we could just say, do this and do that and do that, and then you will have a great outcome. And for a lot of my life, it happened that way. And I don't know why he tricked me like that. <laughs> because then it was like, Psh, 
flash, no, news flash, that's not how it's going to go for the rest of your life. Um, so he will give you a lot, but he wants you to depend on him. And we all know the scripture about how his grace is made perfect in our weakest. And so I've, I can't tell you how many times I've went to park. That's how I get the closest to the Lord is getting away from my house away um it's like go park and just look outside and just cry just cry and it's okay like it's okay to just cry like go get it out like and and I know when I have all this tension and I'm so I feel like you're I'm gonna take it out on the kids and I just need to go like so I go park and I just cry and I say help me with my unbelief take this from me where is this coming from show me where you are in this and then I'm like a new person. So it's okay to be weak. It's okay to feel like you're, you can't handle your life because you're not supposed to be. He loves it the most when you finally are like, what do I do? I need you. I need you. Like, I don't even know at all what to do. I'm like, I'm spent. And I need you. He loves that. So I was telling David the other day, it was a few weeks ago. I feel like the last few weeks we've turned a little bit of a curve. Thank you, Jesus. But um, at that time, I told him, like, I'm dying. Like, and don't be all dramatic about it. It's not like physically. But I was like, I am really, really, and I came to him seriously. Like, I think I'm dying. Like, every day I feel like I'm dying another level. Like, I'm just giving and giving and giving, and there's no reward. <laughs> there's no thank you. In fact, it's extreme opposite. There's not a lot of thank yous. Um, and I don't have any certainties, and I've lost a lot of the passion of what I like to do. I mean, I know this is minor for you guys, but my garden is full of weeds. I do not do, like, it was a passion for me, and every like even sitting out with my animals, even painting, even creating, or hardly, barely homeschooling, like we're getting through the basics. Everything that I enjoy, or my friendships, I don't have time to just, no, I'm not going to meet you for coffee, let you know now. Like I'm not going to meet you for coffee for a while, like for a long while. So please stop asking me about coffee. I like coffee a lot. I love coffee, but I like it in silence right now. So... (laughs) Like with no one talking except for Jesus. Um, so we have seasons, and I'm in a season of death. And so another layer, as if I thought I could not, I couldn't die anymore. I feel like I am dying every day, and it's like I'm not making the baby showers. I'm hardly making the things. I'm I'm not able to be there, and so. It is what it is. And so I was telling him that, like, I don't know what's left of me right now. I know that sounds so dramatic, but when you're in it, you just have to vent. And so he was like, you are dying, and I can see it, and it's so beautiful. And it just reminded me that I've got to get my eyes. You know, I had to remind myself, get your eyes off of what you think you're missing out on or you might you might lose or whatever the lie is. I remember it was like, um, I remember the, uh, the creeping lie that said, you're laying everything down and you're missing out on so much and you'll have nothing to show for it. And um, he, he's just brutal. And... Um, and, and you have to be able to acknowledge and be, like, discern that, that as a lie. Because nothing like that comes from the Lord, just so you know. Like, he'll never say, hey, you won't have anything to show for this. You're just losing. You're just losing everything through this. 
he's extreme opposite. And so I heard the Lord's response saying, since when did you need anything to show for it? And I'm like, you're right. I don't. I don't know why I give a crap. Like, who cares? Like, who cares what you think? Like, if you if you say, wow, they're really going through it, and then for what? You know, like, okay, that can be your version. My version is I got to, like, really love this child. And the, the Lord did a death process in me because he wanted to reveal to me another le- level of his goodness and his nature. And, and I'm seeing that in so many ways. It's such a death process, such a learning process. Like, you can't have these kind of experiences being comfortable. You cannot. I have had, like, I would never see the miraculous work of the Lord in that temporary divorce court if I never showed up, if I said no from day one, because really, it's been such an inconveniencing thing in my life. It's been just a pain in my butt, like, in every way. There's been ounces of joy and, like, yes, this is great. And then there's been a ton more hard. And so, you, that's the message I want to give to you guys the most. And I had a I have so a few more little things, but the message I have the most for you is like, get out of your comfort zone. David's preached it. Take the risk and stop worrying about the outcome. Surrender the outcome. Surrender your expectations of what it should look like. When the Lord tells you to do something, it's never going to look like what you thought it would look like. Like I really in my, I don't even understand what my thought process was because I really was thinking like, you know, I've already been through a lot and it's just going to be handed to me. I mean, it's just going to go easy. Like it's already been enough. We already do enough. Like, and honestly we do. Our whole life is serving others. And so I thought, you know, the least the Lord could do the least he could do is just give me the child that I'm missing. I mean, isn't that so wrong on every level? But I know you guys have had thoughts like that. They might not be the same, but you might have thoughts like that. So I like to be honest with you guys. That was once my thought process. And now I've learned never, ever, ever assume anything. <laughs> never have these set expectations that it's going to go a certain way. Lay everything down and just go one day at a time doing the next best step in obey, period. You hear his voice, end of story. You don't need to know like all the things. And he'll give you the fears. Like I went through the whole fears of like, what is this going to do to my kids? Well, you know, in the beginning, I had a few people tell me like, hey, you probably should back out. You know, there's no guarantee here and your kids are getting really attached to her. Um, and to that, I'm, I'm like, no, I've heard the Lord. It's just, I trust him. I trust him with my kids' hearts. I trust him with my heart. I trust him with her heart. And um, I have honestly, that's been my favorite part about the whole journey is bringing my kids along. I'm a real big believer about just telling them like it is. Don't try to shelter them so much so that they're like trying to figure out what in the world's happening in their life because you're so afraid of that they might actually see real world. The real world is that people are broken and they do horrible things to break and hurt other people because they're broken. And we have to do our part to try to fix broken, to love broken. And our part, I'm showing them a tangible way 
our part is this right now in this season. And it's messy and it's hard. And they'll ask questions like, why? Like, why would she do this? Or why would someone do that? And in your little mind, when you came to Rock City and you are surrounded by cute farm animals and you have been taught every Bible story and you know that there's always a, a better outcome, then all of a sudden they're faced with, but why would anybody do something so bad? And my response is because they're broken and everybody in the world has broken parts and we're supposed to do our part and, and we're supposed to love even when somebody's mean to us. They got to see that firsthand. We're gonna love and pray even though they're dishonoring us or, or being dis- whatever they're doing. We're just gonna love for them, pray for them anyway. So it's been a learning experience for them. It's the, you want to take them to a mission to paint something for a week? Okay, but foster care is a totally different thing. And I'm not just saying like everyone needs to do it, but I'm just giving you a different perspective. It's, it's, it's the everyday right here experience that they're going to get. It's in your home. You couldn't, it will mark them. And that's what the Lord told me. It's going to mark them forever. So another thing I try to remember is that a healthy tree is going to go through experiences like pruning, dormancy, and storms, and that growth looks different in every season. And in this season, growth looks like death to me. And so we can't be afraid of death. The Lord says, take, like, deny yourself, take up the cross. It's all about denying. So in John 12, 24 through 25, it says, Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And so when you first read it, you're like, why should I hate my life? Um, I want to love my life. We all want to enjoy our life. It's not saying that. But one who loves his life is going to be the person that tries to preserve his life, to keep safe. The definition to, to preserve yourself is to keep safe from injury, keep yourself safe from destruction, try to defend yourself, uphold or sustain or control your life. So that is not perfect love. That is not... Um, that is, that is loving your life unto death. It says that produces. So hating your life is, looks like only being concerned with pleasing the Lord. End of story. Passing the test, pleasing God, and ready to be a sacrifice. That's what it looks like to hate your life. Foster care and adoption looks like hating your life. I know that sounds so dramatic, but it's so true. So... Um, Ultimately, I just wanted to tell you again, like just, just surrender the outcome. It's in your darkest time, your hardest time that you see the Lord the most clearly. You know that. And I also want to say like, hey, we all have a different cause. Marlene is passionate about sex trafficking and Tiffany is passionate about women that are um, going through addictions and um, overcoming a, a drug addiction. And everybody has their call. But I want to remind you again, you can still do your part because this church is going to make taking a big stance today and is going to continue. We will be very active in the foster and adoption arena. So pray about what that looks like for you. But also, let me just pray for you because I want you to really just be... I want to identify to you what it is 
you're supposed to be taking action in. And maybe that looks like getting healthy because until you can really get healthy spiritually and physically, you can't really help someone else too much. So I I just want to pray that over us and then David will take it home. So if you guys could close your eyes. Lord, thank you for your presence in this message. Thank you for speaking to people's hearts while I've been speaking. And Lord, I just pray that we're never the same. Lord, that you mark us right now. What is our role? Show us right now with a vision, with a word, with a whisper. What is our role? What does our call to action look like today? Is it that we need to take the steps to getting healthy? Do we need to find an accountability, a mentor? What do we need to do? Do we need to sign up to babysit foster kids? Do we need to give financially? What is it? Because we're called to be your hands and feet. Show us how you want us to be your hands and feet starting today. Show us what the next best step is, Lord. Take away all of the fear, the what ifs, and the possible outcomes that we've been afraid of. Help us today to surrender any outcome and only obey what you're telling us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you want to partner with us in what God is doing here at Rock City, you can give by visiting our website at rockcitycorpus.com slash give.